0: Welcome to the heart of Jesus. As the church, we've come here today to lay down our lives for the King. And Jesus comes, he comes to meet with us as well because he loves you, he loves his church. Please turn with me to 1 Peter, chapter 5, starting with verse 5. God sets himself against the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Consequently, you must be humbled under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the right time. Having cast all your worry upon him because he cares for you. Having cast literally means the once-for-all act of throwing all of life's worries upon Jesus. Jesus truly cares about each one of us here today. He's concerned about you, what you do, And what happens in your life? It means something. What happens in your life and what happens with the church? And it's very personal to him. Verse 8, you must be sober. You must be calm and collected in spirit. You must be alert. You must be on guard. You must keep watch. Your accuser, the devil, is walking around as a roaring lion, seeking somebody that he may devour. The devil accuses you to God, accuses God to you, and accuses you to yourself. Verse 9, you must set yourself against him, steadfast in the faith. So, how do you set yourself against the enemy? Well, first off, by staying under Jesus, by not rising up, by not going ahead of him or before him, by obeying Jesus and doing exactly what he tells you to do. Secondly, by keeping watch, being on guard. Not letting your guard down for even one moment. Not allowing your feelings and your emotions to take over and to lead you. And lastly, but this probably should have been first. (laughs) It's very important to stand on the promises. As many of you know, there's countless promises right here in the word. There's one in particular I'd like to share, a rhema word that Jesus has given me and given my family. Numbers 23, verse 21. No misfortune is seen in Jacob. No misery observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them. The shout of the king is among them. There is no sorcery against Jacob, no divination against Israel. Going back to the shout of the king is amongst them. The shout of Jesus, the king, is amongst us here. There is no misery as we stay under Jesus. Where the king is, the one true king. As you stay under him, the enemy is defeated in the name of Jesus. Which leads us to verse 10. After having suffered a little while, Jesus himself will restore you, make you firm, strengthen, and establish you. Why? Because the king is amongst us, and he loves you. He loves his church. He's fully invested in us here. He is the one true king. He is Jesus. He has all the power. He has all the authority. Nothing gets past the king. There's a very specific purpose That Jesus has for you and for his church. We must believe him. We must trust him and truly believe that this church does belong to Jesus. So let's take a stand together as the body of Christ, as a church, stay under Jesus, to keep watch, remembering, very importantly, that there is no misery. No matter what pain, no matter what hardships, no matter what your emotions say, there is no misery in Jesus. And the shout of the King, victory is amongst us. So as we stand this way together, watch, watch very carefully as Jesus establishes you and your family and establishes this church. Welcome to the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to the heart of Jesus.
1: The message that I have to share with you today, a living hope a living hope. You're going to have to be very attentive if you're going to catch what I'm going to share with you today. It is not easy to catch. But if you catch it, your life will be changed. It may be upsetting to you. But I want you to hear and at least have an opportunity to decide. I'm going to simply go in Scripture it's going to be necessary for you to pretty much forget most of what you think you know about the gospel because we're going to go not on the surface, we're going down into the very heart of what the gospel is all about. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would give us understanding that your Holy Spirit would quicken us, that Jesus, you would speak very directly to us Lord, for some, this is going to be shocking and new. But for others, they've walked in this now for months and years. But Lord, quicken all of us. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. In Mark, the first chapter, in way of review, we've been speaking in verse 14 about Jesus coming into Galilee at the very beginning of his ministry And he comes preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. That is, he comes preaching the authority of God. And we see him coming with his authority, with his power. We see him coming to somehow bring us into the kingdom of light and out of the kingdom of darkness. All of us were born into the kingdom of darkness. But the good news of the gospel is that we're being brought out of the darkness into the light. There are only two kingdoms, the kingdom of the devil and the kingdom of the Lord God of heaven. And so in review of Mark the first chapter, verses 14 on, he comes saying, okay, now it's time to repent. Because entrance into the kingdom of God comes down the road of repentance. Defining repentance, it, simply as you know, it is turning totally away from the kingdom of darkness and turning to the kingdom of light. It is coming under the authority of God and leaving the authority of of darkness. Now, when we come to the book that I just shared with you in Luke, the 14th chapter, Jesus says, For many are invited, but few are chosen. So, everyone who is invited is not chosen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever, whosoever, that's all of us. We are all the whosoever. We can enter into his salvation. All men have been called. And then we come to First Peter. And my father, a godly man, now gone on to his reward, in the latter part of his life, kept reading first and second Peter. I didn't understand why. I asked him on a number of occasions, and his answer was hidden from my understanding. And I've read 1 and 2 Peter many, many times, but most of the times I've read it, my brain's been turned off. I've just read it because it was in the next order of reading. It's like Ephesians, the first chapter. You read it, but you don't really catch it. Well, 1 Peter is like that. Peter said that things that Paul wrote were hard to understand. I want to suggest, no, Paul's easy compared to Peter. Peter writes some things that are just mysteries. Today, I want to unpack the first part of the first chapter of the book of 1 Peter. I'm going to continue through 1 and 2 Peter in the coming weeks. This will be our summer content at the National Prayer Chapel. So I urge you to read prayerfully First and 2 Peter over and over and pray for the opening of your mind and understanding of these deep things that this fisherman wants to give to us. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Apostle meaning sent from the Sanhedrin, the legal body of Israel, sent from the Sanhedrin to the person who was being charged with the crime with the verdict of the Sanhedrin regarding their life. Apostle here is coming with God's verdict to proclaim the coming of the kingdom of God to teach us how we can transfer from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, how the authority of the kingdom of God, kingdom, not geographic, it means authority, how the authority of God can begin to rule over the entire earth as God expels darkness and sin and the devil and Jesus begins to take over. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the elect sojourners, elect is a very simple word, but vastly misunderstood today in the body of Christ. Elect simply means chosen. That's all it means. It means chosen. It does not mean that certain people are predestined to life and certain people are predestined to death. It's simply chosen to the elect sojourners. Sojourners means alien, stranger. I am an alien and a stranger in this land. I have American citizenship, but I'm still an alien and a stranger because my home is going to be located on the flattened out Mount of Olives where the great city of God comes down out of heaven. When I told a Jewish guide in Jerusalem that that was going to be my home, he almost lost it. He laughed until I said, wait until you see what Jesus does to Mount of Olives. To the elect, sojourners, strangers, aliens. And then he begins to name the countries. And this includes a large geographic area. According to a foreknowledge of God. Foreknowledge. God does not have foreknowledge. He does not have afterknowledge. God has knowledge. You see, he's not under time. He created time. So God is timeless. Now, Peter uses the word foreknowledge of God simply to cater to our lack of understanding, to say, in the early days. In the early days. And we consider everything on a linear time scale. Here's the beginning, here's the end. God does not consider things that way. He could step into time right now, or he could step into time when Moses was at Mount Sinai. (laughs) God is not contained by time. He is timeless. He created time. So he has the power to be in every part of time at any time he chooses. And can I tell you something? He chooses to be in all parts of time. He doesn't forget anything. He knows everything. He's watching everything. He's totally in control. He is glorious. He is awesome. He is not under any creation. He is the creator. Now, I don't know what that does to your heart, but I tell you what, that causes me to rejoice. Now, part of what I had to do as I read and reread and read and reread, I had to just move certain words out of the way. Peter is very wordy. He wants to make sure he touches every T and every dot. So you have to move some words out of the way. They're important, but they're not his main point. He's a very Jewish writer. Okay, this is Jewish-style writing. Aside, you know that when this was written, a sentence may be, in Greek, a whole page. Uh, there's no English Punctuation in Greek. So, punctuation was all added later, and verses were added many years later. To the elect, to the chosen, who are strangers, according to the knowledge of God, the foreknowledge of God, the Father. Now, please, we're going to find in Peter that everything flows out of the Father, into Jesus, into the Holy Spirit. Now watch. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in holiness, by means of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now let's just look at the reality of what he's saying. He's saying the elect, the chosen have been brought by the Father. They were called, but then they were brought into holiness. In some of your Bibles, it will translate it into sanctification. The word literally in the Greek means total purification. Wesley called it heart purity. So you move from being called to being chosen when you allow the Spirit of God to come into your heart and begin this purification process. That is, he begins to move you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And as you allow that process to begin to go forward in your heart, and he's going to describe for us what that process is. It's not American. It's not what we would choose as Americans. And we have to disavow ourselves of our first world status and recognize we all come from a fifth world status in the kingdom of darkness, sinners. And you know what? Our cell phones, they don't make us righteous. Technology does not make us righteous. We think there's great progress because there's great technology. Technology comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It can be very good, but it can also be very evil. It's simply a tool. Okay, now notice. In holiness, by means of the Spirit, not by means of our hard work. Let's get it clear right now. Salvation is a free gift brought to us by a supernatural work of God. It is a work of grace in our hearts. It does not leave us in our sin. It purifies, it heals, it cleanses. I mean, what would you think? Jesus brings us into the kingdom of His Father, and there we starve to death? No, the table of the Lord is more than adequate. By means of the Spirit, unto what? It says obedience. But if you look at the Greek word here being used for obedience... It means to hear, to hearken, while we remain under the word we've heard. So the word of God comes to us. Obedience means we've listened to the word and we've said, okay, I'll do that. And we do it by the power of the spirit that is in us that is bringing us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Keep your finger right there, but look at verse 22. We're not going to go there today except to just identify what's being said regarding this. Verse 22, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth. That word obedience again means to remain under the commands of God as we leave the commands of the devil, and we come under the commands of God, our hearts are purified. Through the Spirit, in unhypocritical love, you must love one another out of a pure heart, constantly, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the living word of God, even abiding forever. That's why John Wesley said, perfection is not legal perfection. Perfection is the total, complete expression of love. Because God is love. So it's not legalistic. It's not obeying the law. It's being brought into the love of God. It's remaining under the commands of God in our heart. Now, please, we're Americans. We have commands given to us all the time. Stop, the light's red, so we stop. Go, because the light's green. I mean, we have decisions constantly. Some people have said we have thousands of decisions we make in one day. Will I or won't I stop at the red light? Well, we know if we don't stop at the red light, a red flashing light or a blue flashing light may quickly approach us, and it will cost us money. Well, in the spirit realm, we have to decide, are we going to listen to the spirit as he empowers us? Those who are the elect are those who have obeyed or remained under the direction of the Holy Spirit and have done what he asked them to do. And the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, the sprinkling is used for cleansing. So here we have a twofold work. We have the washing and cleansing of all of our sin, the forgiveness of our sin, being made clean, no longer a guilty conscience, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live according to the Spirit. Romans 8, verse 1. Okay, so we're sprinkled by the blood, our sins are forgiven, and we walk under the command of God. Now, what's all that going to look like? That's where he's going next. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one according to his great mercy, having caused us to be born from above. The word to be born, it's interesting. When it's speaking of a man, it means begot. When it's speaking of a woman, it means to be brought forth obviously here it means to be brought forth unto a living hope that living that word living in the greek is very interesting it means to be alive but it also means to be very active have you ever seen mexican jumping beans they're little beans that have a little worm in them. I used to buy them when I was a kid for a nickel. I'd buy a handful of these Mexican jumping beans. And when they're cold, they're absolutely still. But when you hold them in your hand and they begin to warm up, then you hold your hands like this and they go like popcorn. Bump, 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 bump. And as a kid, I thought that was fantastic. So I'd quickly go put them in the refrigerator and they'd stop jumping. Then I'd get them out, and I'd hold them in my hand, and bump, bump, bump. Well, this word in the Greek means bump, 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 jumping, active, moving. It's not dead. So I have to ask you a question. When you came in here today, were you dead, or were you active? Were you jumping in your spirit and saying, He is real. He is awesome. I praise him. I worship him. I'm going to stay under his commands. I'm going to obey him. I'm going to walk faithfully before him. It's an active, it's not passive. This gospel is not a passive gospel, it's an active gospel. Now, we all know how to be active when you go to the office. If you're not active, you get fired. You're supposed to perform. You're supposed to produce something. You go to Safeway and you go up to this man and you want him to take your groceries and scan them and tell you how much money. But if he stands, as he does work at Safeway, if he stands with his hands down like this and you come up to his counter and there's a big line behind you, are you going to be happy if he just stands there like a bump on a log? No, you're going to say, Let's, we're out of here. You may leave your grocery cart and walk out if you're mad enough. Or you may try to find somebody else to check your groceries. And what would your boss say to you? Pull you in the office and fire you. Well, this gospel is active. It's jumping. It's moving. It's, it's not passive. It's not dead. Now watch, a living hope by means of the resurrection of Jesus Christ out from among the dead. The reason for the action in your life is that you were called, you responded to holiness, you turned your back on the world, and you began to obey the word that was spoken to you. And as you obey that word that's spoken to you, new life comes out of the resurrection of Jesus Christ into your life. I had a good time on this Resurrection Sunday that just passed because I had some people when I went into a coffee shop who said to me, Pastor, happy Resurrection Sunday. And I was supposed to say, and he has risen. But instead of that, I said, have you been resurrected yet? And they looked at me with shock. I said, don't talk to me about Jesus rising. If you haven't risen, are you still walking in the same old, same old? Are you on your way to the grave filled with darkness? Or have you been resurrected? Resurrection of Jesus Christ out from the dead, to an inheritance, incorruptible. May I give you a definition quickly? Incorruptible means that there are no principles of dissolution. There's no principle of, of decay. In everything, entropy comes in, in this world. Everything is running downhill. And if new energy is not placed in it, everything will finally Decay and die. The inheritance that we have in heaven, entropy has no effect on. It's not running downhill. There's no principle of dissolution in it or decay. Secondly, it is undefiled. So nothing impure can enter into that place where our salvation is being kept. It is unfading. In the Greek, it means it's always in blossom. I like that. It's always in blossom. Your salvation, if you are walking in this manner, is in heaven right now in full bloom, waiting for you. Having been reserved in the heavens for you, the ones being kept by the power of God. Power here is dunamis, meaning We get the word dynamite from the Greek word dunamis, meaning explosive power. Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. Faith always has to have a rhema word. What's the rhema word here? The rhema word is the good news of the gospel that you were called. And you can become the elect If you are willing to go through the process Peter is describing, now he's going to get much, much more direct with us about what this process is. He's going to take away all sentimentality. He's going to just cut it straight and raw. Look at what Peter says. Verse 6, In that you greatly rejoice, though for a little while now it is necessary... Having been grieved by various trials, that the proof of your faith, let's stop there. He's saying, okay, you have received the free gift of salvation. Now it is necessary to be grieved by various trials. And the word grieved means to to be made utterly sorrowful. Well, what is it that makes us so sorrowful? It is trials. In some places, in the NIV, in the King James, it's translated temptations. It's not temptation. It is parasmus in the Greek, it is piercing in the Greek, it is literally putting to proof in the Greek. That's what happened to Peter. Satan has asked to sift you, Peter. And when you've recovered, encourage the brethren. Peter was pierced through by that terrible turning away from Jesus and denying him. He was grieved. He went out and wept. Why? Because It was proven that his faith was not sufficient and he would turn away from Jesus. But Peter said, I'll never deny Jesus. Though I die, I will not turn away from you. He said, no, Peter, before the cock crows twice, you'll deny me. We don't know what we're made of until these trials come, these piercings come, and they come in order to show us clearly our spiritual condition before God, so that we have an opportunity to repent, and to be under in obedience, to hearken to the word of the Holy Spirit as he addresses us. And we are grieved by this process, but there is no process that God knows to prepare us for heaven, other than putting us through the parasmus, allowing the devil and what's going to drive the devil crazier than he is, when he gets to the end of time and he sees how God used his wickedness to bring about his glory in the saints, that's going to just push him over the edge. God is using these trials to demonstrate whether or not we truly believe what he has given to us. He continues, your faith, more precious than perishing gold, yet tested by fire. That word tested in the Greek? Trustworthy. Tested to determine whether or not you are trustworthy. You have been called you have now become a part of the process of becoming the elect of God. The elect of God can expect to have piercings, trials, that are going to demonstrate the true condition of our hearts. The question is, will we come under the graceful, loving wing of Jesus so that our entire confidence will be based in Jesus alone and in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He is here to separate us utterly and completely from the kingdom of darkness and to bring us totally and fully into the kingdom of light, for he loves us. Let me just stop a moment and ask you a question. Have the testings and trials made you bitter? or have they made you better? Those are our choices. I remember my mother. She was always lively in her actions, but finally she was bedridden, and she couldn't move around anymore. And I went in to see her in the nursing home, and she was grumbling. She was mad. She was mad at the staff. She was mad at me. She was didn't matter that I just brought her her favorite s- salmon dinner. She was mad. And I said, Mom, I love you. But can I be real honest with you? She looked at me with those eyes. <laughs> I said, Mother, dear, you're going to either get better or you're going to get bitter. Right now, you're headed toward bitter. The body you're in doesn't really matter. We're going to all get a new tent. You're much closer than I am to going to judgment. Mother dear, you'd better get better. You're not spending enough time in the scripture. You're sitting in this bed complaining. That was a total turnaround that day for my mother. Mother. From that day on, every time I went in to see her, which was often, there was a smile on her face. There was a pleasantness in her spirit. I said, Mother, what happened? She said, Jesus told me I better get better. When Mother died, something very unusual happened. All of the nursing staff that cared for her showed up at the funeral. They said, this woman was so sweet. And her smile was so charming. And she was never complaining. I said, right. <laughs> Praise God. Jesus did it. So I ask you again the question. Are you getting bitter? Or are you getting better? Where are you in this process Are there judgments in your heart toward others? Is there coldness in your heart toward others? Or is there a sweetness in your heart? Is the presence of Jesus in your heart? Now, we're going to go through the fire. The fire burns the wood, but absolutely perfects that clay and fires it into a piece of artistic beauty as the designer intended. But could I sell you, having worked with clay? Sometimes the clay just cracks. And at that point, the clay's thrown away. It can't be redeemed once it's been in the fire. Then it's just patching, and God doesn't do patching. He just gives us a new heart. So today, if you need a new heart, just ask him for the new heart. He's not going to patch your old heart. Jesus is very much into new. He doesn't serve leftovers. (laughs) He doesn't serve leftovers. He wants to make us new. And he's going to put us through the fire. I mean, I think it's time to have truth in advertising. This walk with Jesus is not a cakewalk. It's serious. It's real. And if you continue to go to the drunkenness, you continue to go to the lying, you continue going to the theft, you continue going to the cursing or the pornography, or you continue going to bitterness and anger and hard-heartedness, I don't care what the sin is. Jesus considers all sin the same. Selfishness, self-centeredness, whatever the... The Holy Spirit's been talking to you about your sin, if there is any such in you. Now, what are you going to do with Jesus? Will you be one of the called, but who is not ever one of the elect? Or will you go through the process that the Holy Spirit wants to walk you through? It's a decision. It's a cold-blooded, intellectual, heart decision. Am I going for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or am I going for the tree of life? If you're going for the tree of life, Peter says you're going to have piercings. And there's going to have to be a demonstration proving your faith in Jesus Christ. And that proving may not happen in a week, or a month, or six months. I've been on this journey for so many years, constantly being tested and passing and failing and passing and failing. You know what? I've gotten tired of failing. I fail every time I become self-willed and judgmental and angry. It's not fair what's happening to me. What? Really? What's happening to you is just part of life. Tested by fire. That he may be found under praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We've got to have the long view of this deal. This is not just a Sunday deal. This is every day, every moment, who do you belong to? Are you allowing the Spirit of God to rule in your heart and in your life? And do you have a testimony of his beauty and his glory? Do you have a testimony of his graciousness to you? He says, whom not having seen, you love. There's a reason why Jesus doesn't show up, I think. If he showed up, we would be so awe-stricken by his beauty By his glory. He doesn't want us to love him because of his beauty and his glory. He wants us to love him because he died on Calvary's tree for us and was resurrected for us. And so he says after you've been through this process of trying your faith, you come to a point in your life where you say, I haven't seen you, Jesus, but I know you, I know your ways. And I love you. Haven't seen you, but I love you. Whom not, whom not now looking, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable, even having been glorified, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Now I need to go back in the text. I purposely saved this. Verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and unfading, having been reserved in the heavens for you. That word reserved means to guard carefully by keeping your eye on it. Can I tell you, your salvation is sitting in the heavenly realm and God has his eye on it to make sure nobody can steal it. God is looking with his eye at your salvation because he loves you and because you are one of the elect if you have chosen to trust him and go through the piercings. Now the piercings are spoken about in other parts of scripture. In Hebrews... 10, 11, 12, it says that people were beaten. Their property was confiscated. They were sawn in half. They were tortured and killed. That was the piercing of many in the scripture. Now, obviously, I've not been pierced that way. People in North Korea today are being pierced that way. In China, they're being pierced that way. And I've been saying, oh God, would you ignite prayer in our hearts for our precious brothers and sisters around the world who are going through such agony? I've read some accounts of, of several people who have been faced, they've been told, spit on the cross. If you don't spit on the cross, I'm going to kill your daughter. If you don't renounce Jesus, I'm going to I'm going to rape your wife right in front of you. And so they have done what they were told. And they confessed Allah as their God. And then later they came back and in freedom said, Jesus, I shamed your name. And with bitter tears, they've had to repent of denying Jesus Christ. Now please understand what I'm saying. I'm glad Peter denied Jesus. I'm not glad he denied Jesus, but I'm glad to know that even if I deny Jesus, I can come back and repent and he'll put me back on the path and he'll bring me around again and he'll pierce me again and he'll cause me to make a decision anew about what I'm going to do with Jesus and many of us, all of us, have failed Jesus. We've all denied Jesus but he has not denied us. We have to go back and repent and recognize that we're being brought through a process called sanctification or purification or holiness, and it's the work of God in our lives, and it's real. It's not make-believe. It's the glorious work of God, the supernatural work of God that comes flowing out of the cross of Jesus. I'm so grateful to Jesus today. I'm so grateful that as the piercings come in my life, the trials come in my life, I know what they are. They're the testings to determine the quality of my soul and what I have or have not allowed Jesus to accomplish in me yet. And I say, oh Lord, have your way. I'm done with sin. I'm done with the devil. I will not turn away from him again. Regardless of the piercings, I want to be deemed trustworthy by God. Are you trustworthy with God today? Are you going through the piercings? are you standing on his promises you participate in the divine nature of god according to second peter the first chapter you participate in the divine nature of god by the promises of god by grabbing a hold of those promises and going through the piercing changing our behavior is always difficult changing habits Difficult. You have your ways. You have your places where you comfort your heart. All of us do. This process I've just walked you through, this process is a testing process. And each of us will stand or fall before Jesus on our own. God doesn't have grandkids. And you know in your heart today where you are with him. If you're walking in uncleanness, if you're walking in arrogance, if you're walking in pride, if you're walking in coldness of heart, you know that. The Holy Spirit's already been talking to you about this. This is a Holy Spirit work. If you hold a grudge against somebody in this congregation, or you have judgments towards somebody in this congregation, God knows that. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to you about your heart. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to go through the piercing? And is your faith going to be proven? And will you remain one of the elect? or you will you become one of the chosen for many many everyone is chosen called not chosen called everyone is called but not chosen so i guess the bottom line question is are you aware you've been called and have you responded in such a manner that you've been chosen are one of the elect of God. Not based on legalism, but based on your response to staying under the word of the Holy Spirit to you and walking in the supernatural power of Jesus. Is that your experience today? Lord, I plead your mercy today. I'm so tired of watching Men and women destroy their lives while they lie about their true condition. Lord, refusing to submit to the piercings, being led astray by the desire of their hearts, chasing down one thing and then another interest rises and they go for that interest. Lord, the life of a man is choosing to run after his loves and his interests. Lord, would you be the love of our hearts? Would you eclipse everything else? For you are the Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen.